Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dan Gallagher about elevating individual and organizational self-awareness as a leader. Dan Gallagher, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thanks so much, John. Great to be here. Yeah, it's great to be with you. I'm super excited for this conversation. Today, we're going to be exploring how we can go about elevating individual and organizational self-awareness as a leader. I love this topic, and I'm so glad you pitched the idea because I think it's just going to be a fascinating conversation. And of course, within the realm of this topic, we'll explore a little bit about some of the trends in HR and employee experience and what we can do to make sure that we're having a really healthy, dynamic organization that everyone is, has the opportunity to thrive. As we get started, I wanted to share Dan's bio with everybody. Dan Gallagher is a transformative and results-driven business executive with success developing people, processes, and performance in high-growth companies across multiple industries. His leadership brand is rooted in strong relationship building, influential communications, and change management that helps businesses integrate, optimize, and accelerate. I love that. Anything else you would like to add by way of your background, Dan, before we dive on into the conversation? I'm excited to, to jump in. I mean, I think uh, what all of us are trying to do here is, is uh, center ourselves at that intersection of, of transformation and talent. So let's do it. I love how you just framed that, the intersection of transformation and talent. We are in a, a world shifting uh, landscape, the, the nature of work itself, the very fabric of work is shifting underneath our feet. Uh, and so we have to learn how to transform and we need to learn how to adapt. And, and ultimately, the more prepared we are to do that, the more, I think, successful we'll be in our individual careers, the more successful as leaders will be in, in helping our teams to, to lean into the change and right. to find success. So that's, that's all super interesting to me. And I guess this comes back to uh, this idea of self-awareness. How can we help individuals and organizations collectively become more self-aware? That's, that's something that I think a lot about, actually, because despite people's perhaps best intentions, I think we tend to just be terribly uh, deficient in self-awareness <laughs> most of the time. And, it, you know, it's just the hustle and bustle, the busyness. It is the grind and just like leaders putting out fires constantly rather than, you know, taking the time to self-reflect and be more proactive and strategic. Like it's just part of the the fabric of how people have often done their jobs and how we function in society as a whole. And it, it takes a really proactive um, intentional approach for us to kind of get out of that grind and to get out of that pattern so that we can start to practice you know, regular self-reflection. So frame that up for us in terms of why you think it's important. And then we can start to talk about how we can help individuals and organizations collectively really build their self-awareness capacity. Love it. Love it. Um, 
you know, a couple of things come to mind that kind of set a foundation. Uh, you know, one, I, I like to just simply think about self-awareness is slowing yourself down to speed yourself up. And it's, it's, it's pretty basic and, and not super scientific. Um, but the easiest way to kind of articulate that is, um, you know, you think about uh, um, being in traffic, right? And that traffic moving through, navigating through, whether it's a, a city or an intersection somewhere else, right? That is work moving forward, that the, those cars moving through the city, that is work moving forward. And, and you can look at the city, you can look at the traffic from the taillights in front of you. You can look at the traffic through the fourth floor window of the building that you're in, or you can go up in uh, Sky Chopper 6 and you can look at the traffic from the aerial view. All of those data points are super important to you gaining full perspective as a leader uh, or full perspective as an organization to understand what's going on, not only within you, but around you. And so, um, you know, that, that self-awareness is, is so key. And, and John, you mentioned it, right? So often with self-awareness, we're playing defense rather than playing offense. We're, we're, we're succumbing ourselves to our to-do list or our inbox of like, oh, I've got seven unopened emails or I've, uh, you know, I was in back-to-back-to-back meetings again. Um, and then you're playing defense to catch back up. And so uh, amidst all that's going on in the world around uh, health, around economics, around racial injustices, around so many different facets of work-life, air quotes, balance, um, more people are pausing, I think, to recognize that if you're going to run hard on the treadmill, sorry, I'm mixing analogies here, but if you're going to run hard on the treadmill, what are you chasing? What are you going after? And organizationally, that's where companies are centering on what do they want to be great at rather than being good at too many things, right? Um, and individually, I, you see more people focusing on what, what, what allows them to be their best person, right? So we are people first. And we are employees second, and that order should never be mixed up. Mm, yeah, I really like that. And I, I think intuitively, I think we probably get the whole idea around individual self-awareness, um, practice mindfulness, practice some deep breathing, take some time to pause, slow down a little. I like how you say slow down to speed up, reflect on your day and reflect on that meeting that you just participated in and, and whatnot. I think we get how to do that. Talking about organizational self-awareness. What do you mean by that? How do we do that? How do, if I'm a leader and I want to help my team become collectively more self-aware, if I want, if I'm an executive and I want my organization to be a really self-aware organization, what does that look like? And how do I actually do that? Yeah. So to me, there's a deep connection between self-awareness and reinvention. And if you look at growing organizations, growing teams or growing individuals, they're, they're, the growth means you're giving up something to gain something else. Right. And, and back to your point earlier about proactivity, right? That's where the reinvention, are you playing defense and reinventing because you're forced to, or are you playing offense and, and really looking at and forecasting where you need to be next? Um, and so organizationally, it's, it's exactly that. It's, it's, um, it's differentiating in a for-profit environment. It's differentiating what is bringing you future growth um, versus just sitting there and looking at trends of year-over-year data. Right. And if you sit there and say, oh, well, last quarter we did, you know, or last year, you know, year over year results were were two percent better year over year. Like is incremental year over year going to be good enough or is are there leapfrog moments that need to be strategically defined and decided to sit there and say, maybe that's not our hero product anymore or maybe that's not our go to market approach. 
Um, I've seen experiences over the last call it, handful of years where the hero product is a, is a big one. Um, but I also see um, the go-to-market made me think of one organization that would, did a, did a um, analysis of who their buyers were, of who their prospects were, and who their sellers were. Like that's, that's being up in chopper six, right? And figuring out what does it look like? You're not going through a to-do list. You're actually, you know, reflecting on that. And, and from that, they changed their hiring practices and that influenced their go-to-market approach. And now that influenced their sales. Um, so it's really taking your time at defining what more is and not just making the number a little bit bigger. I like that. Uh, just perpetual growth for growth's sake doesn't necessarily mean much of anything in a world of sustainability and continued, you know, effort. And so we, we have to be mindful about what we're doing. I, I like the ability, you know, as you described the ability of the organization, um, to pay attention to what matters to them. What are their core values? What is the main purpose? Right. How does that translate into the products or services that you provide to the marketplace? And where do you need to adjust over time? And this goes beyond, you know, I, th I think, you know, there's a big push for a long time for organizations to, to have their five-year rolling strategic plan. I mean, at first it was like, just have a strategic plan and then like, right. let's update it. And then we started talking about, let's have a five-year rolling strategic plan. I think that process, you know, it's a good ref self-reflective process to go through. It helps you be more self-aware, but in and of itself, I, I don't think it's enough. Um, and really we've, we've, in my mind, we've moved past that. We've moved to the point where we just need a kind of a continual self-evaluation uh, because doing the annual thing, it isn't, fast enough uh, for us to be able to make the needed adjustments. Um, so how, how would you, um, how do you think about this organizational self-awareness as it relates to kind of the traditional strategic planning process and how might we tweak that to, to create the mechanism for this kind of continual self-renewal? Yeah. So to me, the, the essence of activation around organizational reinvention truly comes through middle management right? And how middle management can play out, whether it is around influencing, and we're speaking hierarchically here, which goes against all the grains uh, in, in my soul, um, but whether the, whether the middle management is influencing up, over, or, or with their teams, um, each of them play a significant role, but those middle managers are the ones that can activate change more than any. And, you know, Jim Collins did a lot of great research around first team being your peers, and that's such a meaningful model. And so when you look at that strategic planning process and that LRP discussion, that five-year plan, right, that's usually sitting in a more executive space. Um, and the question is, how is that being activated throughout their teams? Um, and so, you know, what organizations that are um, really being operationally authentic now are doing is creating much more uh, intentional listening exercises where they can learn from those that are interacting with either the customers or the communities that they interact with or uh, the frontline employees that do that work and are more in touch with the work. Um, and they're listening and they're connecting the dots between what employees are saying and what customers are saying and using that as insight. So when you look at, gosh, to your point around five, 10, 15 years ago with around strategic planning, the same thing holds true in how organizations, especially growing organizations, bigger organizations, were looking at data. And historically, it was like, first you started looking at your financial data um, and maybe you had some focus on your sales data. 
and then retention and customer satisfaction became a focus. So now this blitz around business intelligence and analytics around, uh, around customer data became important. And what some of the more progressive and productive organizations are doing now is connecting that to their employee experience data, which is really meaningful because amidst a great resignation, amidst trying to create um, you know, uh, productivity, um, discretionary effort, and all the different things that we're trying to play out, like that's where the connection between self-awareness and reinvention sits is understanding those that are making uh, things happen. What are they seeing? What are they doing? What's getting in the way? Uh, and so that rich dialogue that's happening in those organizations, whether it's quantitatively through some of the data points or qualitatively through some of the discussions is now recentering others that have that decision-making power and have that influence on what the strategy should be to sit there and say, okay, I might think this, but we, 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 we think this. Um, and the power of crowdsourcing has now become, you know, an organizational muscle, if you will. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Bluer than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader. Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo. If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue, what some would call the bluest of blues. To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable. Contrary to popular myth, there is no one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to effective leadership. There is no silver bullet, no secret sauce, no go-to model that will solve all of your problems. The truth is, great leaders have all had their unique strengths and flaws and have all had to discover and then pave their own distinctive path in their life's journey to fulfill their leadership potential. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership will help you discover your own path and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for your individuals, teams, and organizations. Let's keep ongoing assessment at the core of what we're trying to do so we can make data-driven decisions. And and let's look at all the different key stakeholders and constituencies related to the the organization. And and let's be honest about what we're finding from the data. Uh, Let's not use, you know, this is something I see a lot and it's it's always very frustrating to me. When I see people cherry-picking, proof-texting, and you're trying to pull out something that that reinforces their pre-existing kind right. of conclusion or narrative and right. it ignores everything else that you see in the data. And that happens a lot. Um, you know, the, the, you know, the old cliche about lying with statistics, you know, there, there, there's a lot you can do to, to pad your, your side of the argument and ignore right. Right. <laughs> all the stuff that's happening somewhere else. So let's be honest about the data that we right. actually have. Let's, let's not gaslight. Let's not uh, right. you know, obfuscate. Let's just be clear and honest because we're only hurting ourselves when, when we do that. Uh, and we, we might think in the short term, we might think, oh, it, I, I'm going to do this just so I can get the support I need to push a really important initiative forward. 
in the long term, though, you're undermining your own credibility and the trust that people have in you. And, you know, you're not actually making a data-driven decision. Uh, you're, you're really still just going with whatever you wanted, and you're just backfilling, you know, cherry-picking data to try to support that. So, so with that caveat, let's always try to do assessment and, and, and increase our self-awareness through the data that we have available to us. And I like how you tied it into, you know, for example, the current trend in employee experience. People have options. People can go a lot of different places. They don't need to stick with a crummy boss. They don't need to stick with an unhealthy environment. And and even if they otherwise really like their job, but there's just all these different frustrations in how they interact and interface with their leaders or with their organization, they're probably going to be looking, you know, maybe not leaving, but at least looking and mentally checking out a bit. And that's not great for the organization either. So, so using this data and this organizational self-awareness to drive better, more meaningful and impactful employee experiences. So everyone can feel excited and energized by their work. So they can get, you know, be, be ready to, to dive on in each and every day uh, and not dread going to work and where they can find meaning and purpose and fulfillment in their work. You know, that's, that's the stuff of, you know, being able to attract and retain really good talent, even amidst a really tight labor force. Um, In addition to employee experience, uh, and also in connection with what we've been talking about with individual and organizational self-awareness, what are some other major trends that you're seeing in HR right now? And what can leaders do to try to respond uh, to these trends in a healthy way? Yeah, I think the the first one is uh, you just pointed it out is the the relationship between the manager and the employee has become more and more critical. And in some organizations or in some relationships, that was kind of delegated. The employee experience was delegated to HR, internal comms, training, et cetera. And there's much more significant ownership needed um, as the world has become more remote. The some of those aspects have been self-serve and digital. And so the humanizing the employee experience sits with the leader of that team, whether it's around onboarding new talent or retaining talent that have been, has been there um, uh, for some time. And it's really around understanding what they want to get out of the work. Um, you know, gone are the expectations that someone will ride an entire career at a firm or, um, you know, want to do, you know, the traditional 2.7 years in the job before they get itchy. Um, And so to me, what I see more and more leaders doing is helping to open the door to coaching, feedback, growth, development planning by saying, where do you want to be next? And when do you want to be there? And creating vulnerable and transparent conversations so that you can, if it's either going to be a secret and they're going to leave the org, or you can help catapult them within the org. Uh, now, obviously, dependent upon the size of the org and the opportunities that they're looking for. Um, but if we're if we if you're a start with the foundation that you're a believer that happy people and engaged folks are going to have more uh, success and show more discretionary effort in their work, and if that's kind of what you're looking for yourself, um, then it's really about putting yourself out there. and And will you will you potentially lose some great talent because they want to go somewhere else? Yes, and that's okay because that. That's what they're looking for in their goals, the same way that you have goals to outgrow the job that you're in. Um, I actually make it part of my interviewing process that, you know, that my job is not only to help help think about who's the right person for the role today, but help to hire someone that really wants to potentially outgrow that role and 
help them talk about that from day one so that it doesn't have to be a secret. And then nine months or 12 months or 18 months in when they want to first talk about, well, how does this grow me for whatever's next? That it's not like a super awkward conversation. Um, and so I, I think just having an openness around that, um, you know, and that's really where I think the great resignation has put authentic pressure on, on those, those discussions. You talk to any recruiter today, John, like most of them are saying the first questions around just explain your culture. And the second questions are around work remote. And then it's like, oh yeah, what's the job description. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, amidst all this solitude and, you know, loneliness was a, was a theme before COVID hit um, people want community, but they also want flexibility. And so they're looking for not just what's the social justice statement that an organization makes in their social media feed, right? But what are individuals in that organization standing for in their, in their own voice? Um, and, um, and I think that's, you know, the fabric of how, you know, people will rally their energies around career decisions going forward. It's, it, it, it seems to happen, you know, you know, you can talk, you can talk about great moments and, and, and very somber moments in the world where there were things like the industrial revolution, or there were things like, um, you know, some of this, um, the, these moments of pause of slowing yourself down to speed yourself up, come after massive tragedies like post 9-11 and what the workforce looked like post 9-11. There was a lot of questioning, is this what I want to do? Um, and I think, I think folks are in a similar place here and it's helping people find um, a comfortable answer that, me that is meaningful to them, right? That's matters. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think as we think about the great resignation or what some people call the great reevaluation or the great awakening, it comes back to this self-awareness piece and people just coming to the realization that, you know, I'm not willing to put up with a crappy boss, a crappy job, an unhealthy environment where I don't feel fulfilled. I want to have opportunities to learn and to grow and I have opportunities. I'm going to go take them. Now that people realize that and they, they've been able to go through that, they've had the time and the space to go through that self-reflective uh, process to become more self-aware and to understand their core yep. values and perhaps jettison some of the societally imposed values that they thought they had, you know, they, you know, they were just going along with the norms that they thought they were supposed to. Now they realize they don't need to. And, and so we've seen a lot of increased level of self-awareness for many individuals, Let's remember as organizations, if we want to attract and retain great people, we have to be really, really committed to that same self-awareness process yep. uh, and self-discovery, or we're really going to miss the boat and, and genuinely, authentically strive to be self-aware. So just collecting data, doing uh, customer surveys, employee surveys, that, that isn't enough because we, we, so many people are so cynical about those things. Right. So, so often nothing ha ever happens. You, you take the survey and then maybe three months to six months later, you might hear something about it, but nothing really changes. And there's so much time lag anyways that, you know, you, you just become cynical and, and you don't really think anyone's listening or that they really care uh, and that it's impacting any actual decisions, whether that's yep. accurate or not, that's the feeling, right? The feeling, and, right and that's right. the perception. So, so we need to be, make it a much more continual process. We need to listen more and, and truly listen, listen to understand, right. and, and then actually have that feed into, you know, maybe shifts in policy or practice, um, you know, finding ways to, you know, as an organization, we need a question. Why is, does that policy exist? 
It may have served us for a time, but the landscape has shifted. And do we need that policy in place now? We're not locked in to policy. Policy was written and it can be unwritten. It can be changed. (laughs) And, And if we're listening to our people, we can make those necessary adjustments so that we're supporting them and, and giving them what they need and want so that they'll want to stay, but they, they, they'll feel empowered. They'll feel uh, like they're, they're being invested in and that they're being supported. And, yeah. and then the, the organization will be able to, to continue to innovate and to thrive because you'll have good people. And if, if that doesn't happen, you're going to lose a lot of good people. Yeah, there, there's a great HBR article on um, organizational ambidexterity. You have to say that very slowly. Um, but the the two different models it presents, and I forget the, the the thought leader that wrote it, and I apologize. There's an external focus around thinking about what's next, right? Your next great product or growth engine, right? But you just spoke to the internal focus, right? That there's policies, practices, culture, standards, et cetera, that are outdated, that are exclusive, that are inequitable, um, and that are being challenged now. And, and you're right, there's no reason to wait. And employees are watching, right? What level of energy and effort are you focusing on your product development strategy versus some of those um, internal standards that are in place? And if the balance isn't there, they're they're raising their hand and saying, why not? And I think it's great exercise for to increase that organizational self-awareness where um, where the teams are saying, we need you to listen more. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think that's very well said. Well, Dan, it has been a real pleasure talking with you. I note the time and I'm going to have to let you go here in just a few minutes. So before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Uh, Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Uh, Obviously, uh, happy to connect on LinkedIn. Um, I also have um, uh, uh, my book up on uh, Amazon, The Self-Aware Leader. Um, and finally, our uh, company website is Exude Inc. E X U D E I N C. dot com, uh, and happy to connect with any of your listeners. Um, as I think about a final thought, um, I think one of the the most important aspects of of being self aware right now is knowing when you need to ask for help. Um, there's a lot of stress on all of us inside and outside of work. And uh, I love to use the piggyback metaphor that there's certain days where you as a leader can give someone a piggyback, but there's certain days where you need to get a piggyback. And in order for you to be a great leader and be a great, you know, be healthy as a person, um, much of this is about managing your own health, your physical, your spiritual, mental. And so it's it's really recognizing those spaces where uh, you need you need a favor, you need a piggyback, and 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 uh, and then and then helping your friend or your or your colleague when they need one. I love it. Thanks, Dan. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Dan can do for you. Check out his book. And as always, I hope everyone can be healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years with increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition. The average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? 
Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Check out Human Capital Innovations magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We publish issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Take a look at the latest issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.